Good morning. I'm Emily Reese, and I'm pleased to speak with Jill Mott today. She's sommelier from Henry and Son. Hi, Jill. Good morning, Emily. So what have you been drinking? Well, this, you know, the summer always presents such great, uh, fun things to drink. And I came across a most rare grape varietal a few weeks ago. I had heard about it before. I had only ever tasted it one or two times, and it happened to be from the same producer, actually, that I came across a couple weeks ago. We're going to be um, orient ourselves here. We're in Europe, and we're in almost the middle of the Mediterranean Sea. We're in the island of Corsica, so part of the country of France, although the Corsicans would say they're Corsican long before they're French, um, just north of Sardinia. And on this island, um, in the northern part of the island called Patrimonio, there's a producer by the name of Ives Leccia, L-E-C-C-I-A. And of course, I'll include uh, links per usual on the website. But Ives Leccia grows a very, very rare grape called Bianco Gentile, um, like the gentle white grape, and or the gentile white grape. And Bianco Gentile has was almost lost in the, you know, in everyone's attempts to uproot a lot of old school awesome vines and plant, you know, Chardonnay, Sauvignon Blanc, uh, etc. And Yves Lecce, along with maybe one or two other growers, are really the only ones championing Bianco Gentile. And usually you can't really find the other versions in this country anyway. Um, and so this grape, we, we know that it's been around since a about the 1800s or so, mid-1800s, and it's just so pretty. It's got, it's got, even though it's not done in oak, it's got this nuance of, like, chestnuts that have been, ro like, roasting over a fire, which doesn't seem seasonally appropriate, but I assure you it is. Um, <laughs> it's got, like, these notes of sea spray and pears and... Um, sunflower seeds and I just I really really love it uh with like a really fresh salad or like white poultry or, or tofu like kind of gentler proteins on the grill hmm. um it's really great and so anybody if you're in the mood for a wine that is as interesting as Premier Cru Chablis uh, but you don't want to pay 50 bucks um go and try to find some Ives Leccia Bianco Gentile just mm. delicious mm. um yeah, do I have time for a couple more? Well, of course you do. Yes. All right. <laughs> no, I, I wonder how many people out there driving on a Wednesday morning have had Mexican wine. Oh. Probably not many people. Yeah. And to boot, natural Mexican wine. Um, mm. There's a gentleman by the name of Noel Tellez who makes um, his winery is called Bichi, B-I-C-H-I. And Bichi, they are, um, he's known for being one of the only natural winemakers in all of Mexico. He hails from Baja California, so just, just across the border from the United States and um, on the northwest part under California. And under California? No, I'll say south of California, a little <laughs> bit more geographically appropriate. And so back in the day in like the 90s and the early 2000s, it was very common to uproot a lot of um, old vines in that area and plant Tempranillo, Cabernet Sauvignon, and Nebbiolo were among the three red suspects. And just because they, you know, they they were more coveted, they they garner more money, you know, when people were buying wines at the time, and still do. 
And Noel had all of that already planted on his family plot. And so he decided, well, I could uproot these and plant some indigenous or some, some native varietals to this area or old school varietals, but why don't I just use what I have? He does have those varietals too. But he decided to take this family plot and blend them all together. So you're getting like all these noble varieties in one <laughs> bottle of red wine. And it's, it's medium to full bodied. It's got notes of like a lot of black earth and fruit and dirt. And there's a little smokiness to it. For those of you that like, like the smell of a campfire, it's got a little bit of that too. Nice. But um, he's aging it and fermenting it in old and concrete and then a mixture of uh, stainless steel to retain kind of a nice fruit profile, but then also some old oak. And it's really just, when I smelled it and I tasted it, I just can't believe that this type of wine is made in, in Mexico, you know, and, <laughs> and that this guy is, um, he's doing hardly any, adding no sulfur to, or hardly any sulfur to his wine, sometimes no sulfur, um, just like the Bianco Gentile, all native yeast to ferment the wine. He's doing, um, he's farming everything organically and biodynamically according to just what each vineyard needs. And it's just a really cool story. The wine is called Flama Roja. Hmm. Now I'm going to, I'm going to, I guess, bookend these recommendations with, with France. Um, we started with Corsica um, and we'll end in northeastern France in a region called the Lorraine. Yes, think of Quiche Lorraine. That's where we are. <laughs> Um, most people that live in the Lorraine are not really familiar with their wines, it's, which is quite uncommon in, in France. Just like uh, here in the States, if you live in California, you drink California wine. Mm. Um, in France, if you live in Burgundy, you're drinking Burgundy wines. In Champagne, of course, you drink Champagne probably on the daily. No, just kidding. But you <laughs> probably are well-versed in Champagne. Mm -hmm. um, the people of the Lorraine just don't really know that, you know, they... They, they may drink uh, local wines, but they may not be able to tell you what grapes are in them. You know, it's not, it's not common. Um, up in this area, we get more, so we're right up against the border with Germany, and people are shocked when they hear that the Lorraine gets more sun hours than all of the rest of, like, in Provence, you know, in the south. Mm. You think that was a more sunny place. So the Lorraine really can grow, even though it's a cool continental place, can ripen some amazing grapes. And there's a producer up there by the name of Domaine Migot, M-I-G-O-T. And they make a beautiful vangri, which that means, uh, it translates to gray wine. But they just use that to basically mean a rosé, that the, the red grapes have been sent directly to the press, so there's very minimal skin contact. And here we have a 50% Pinot Noir, 50% Gamay, dry rosé um, that is just a, an incredible, just a joy to drink this time of year. It goes well with or without foods. It's the other two wines I was speaking about are, are quite complex. Um, and, you know, you, you may want to guzzle them, but also give them a few thoughts. <laughs> this this Vongri is sort of hard to do that because you'll get three quarters of the way through the bottle with a friend and be like, uh, what are we drinking again? Um, it's, it's just delightfully fruity, a little bit of like strawberry on the nose and kind of the, tip, the sort of typical uh, rosé profile, but with a bit more depth, a bit more minerality. There are a lot of limestone soils here that add for just an, a, an additional amount of brightness to the rosé. It's just, um, 
if you if you want to be introduced to a new region that you never knew about and and still drink rosé, uh, the Lorraine is really a place to go. All right. Well, we'll get all those things up on the web. Jill Mott, we'll have you back in two weeks. That sounds great. Thanks so much for chatting with us today. Thank you.